Hi, I'm Mike Morse. Welcome to another episode of Open Mic. Today, of course, we have Kevin Dietz, as always, and we are very happy to welcome Michael Forsyth, the owner of Detroit City Distillery. Joining us this morning is Mike Morse, Detroit's top 30. Mike Morse. Mike Morse is in here to tell us about the backpack giveaway. Adapt and adapt and change things up a little bit every year. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Happy to be here. So I have had your alcohol before. I think it's great. I don't remember which ones I've had. Sure. Um, and so, I mean, before we get into the booze, are you a Detroit native? I'm not a Detroit native. I've been here for about 10 years now. Okay. Where, so, where, where'd you come from? So all the owners of the distillery, we actually all grew up together in a little tiny town called Bath, Michigan. So it's just north of Lansing. I've known all the guys uh, since about three years old. Wow. So where you said just north of Lansing? Yeah, just north of Lansing. Okay. Bath, By Michigan. St. Joe is St. Joe up there? No. Uh St. John's. St. John's is right there. Is right yep. There. So we're right between Lansing and St. John's and good old country boys, you know, the business started when the guy who bought us beer left town and we started making our own. So you started making devices. it up in Bath? Yeah. And then you brought it to Detroit. Yeah. But I mean we were like twelve. <laughs> Sixteen, yes. So, so why why what made you do this? So, so yeah, I mean, you know, I think there's a couple things. So, you know, like I said, we all grew up together, you know, we all grew up in the country. We started, you know, making kind of our own, uh, you know, jailhouse hooch when we were 16 and it inspired this kind of pipe dream to open a brewery. Right. And so the smart one out of the bunch, JP, he's, he was like, I'm going to go to school and learn how to make beer. And so he went to Bell, he worked at Bell's brewery for a number of years. He's got a PhD in microbiology and, uh, you know, it just, it happened at a bachelor party, actually. We we decided, you know, this brewery thing's been done. Let's open a distillery. And, you know, we had a lot of drinks that weekend. And it sounded like a good idea. And the distillery happened, but the wedding never did. <laughs> and here we are. So this is about 10 years ago. Yeah. And you, where is your shop in uh, Detroit? Yes, yeah, so we're in Eastern Market. And and which part? So where? we actually have two, two properties over there. So we have a tasting room, which is like right in the heart of the market. Uh, right by Vivio's, by all the yep. sheds down there, if you're familiar with area. And then we have a big factory where we kind of mass produce this stuff. It's in the old Stroh's ice cream factory, which oh, before wow. that was Goebel's Brewery. Sure. So it's the last remaining historic structure left from the epicenter so, alcohol production So is Detroit. the warehouse where you make the distillery, is that open to the public or is that private tours? We just or? do tours and uh, private events. Okay. And what kind of booze are you making? Yeah, so uh, we are mostly known for making our whiskeys. Uh, we have some bourbon I brought over. Uh, we make a really good rye. Uh, we make some experimental stuff. We do a lot of gins. We do a lot of collaborations also with like bartenders and chefs around town, Lady of the House, Grey Ghost, Foundation Hotel, to name a couple. Uh, and then we make vodka as well. And this time of year, we do a special vodka where we distill a boatload of poochki to make a Punchki Day vodka. So is this the first year you're doing Punchki vodka? So it's our third year. Third year. The first two years were very small, you know, it was basically just for us and friends and family. So our distiller, uh, Steve Ojahowski, uh, he's our distiller of Polish descent. You want so, to you wanna try Common spelling. You want to try common to spell? Spelling. Yeah, how do you spell yeah. that, Kevin? I'm yeah. just kidding. I have so, it right in front of me. You know, you I, I hope you I get, get it close enough to write. But yeah, so Steve, you know, there's a lot of flavored vodka in the world. So, you know, Steve one day was like, I wonder if I could distill Pushki. And so we did, and it turned out really good. So then we made a little bit more the next year. And then it was such a big hit 
and we decided we were, we were going to scale it up and, you know, put in distribution so bars and restaurants and liquor stores can own it. And it's Churches. been wild. <laughs> so it's not out yet. It's not out yet. There's a few, there's a few select liquor stores and bars and restaurants who've probably gotten their orders by now, but you know, we're trying to get it out for this weekend. Uh, Fat Tuesday or Punchki Day in this part of the world is next Tuesday, the 25th. Right. So we release it at our spot on Saturday. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, you, you showed me some pictures before we, we started recording here. You're literally putting broken up punchkis yeah. and whole punchkis into the distiller, into the, the still? Yes. yes. Am I saying that right? You're saying that I've, exactly I've never right. stilled anything. But so, so how does that work? I mean, I saw the pictures. It's fascinating. I, I've never seen donuts basically in, uh, <laughs> in a big alcohol. Huge. Yeah. It's, it sounds yummy. <laughs> I can't wait to try it, but go ahead. Yeah, so Usually you have the vodka first and eat the donuts right. at the end of the night. Yes. Right. So <laughs> this year we did something special. So we sourced 100% potato vodka from Poland. Straight from the motherland. Like the Belvedere. Yeah. So that's the, potato vodka, right? I love, is it Belvedere? If it's vodka, it's potato vodka. No, it's not. No, it's just not all potato. Yeah. But anyway, I'm well, sorry. Yeah, I, I mean, digress. So you bought, you bought potato vodka from Poland. Yeah. And lots then, of it. Lots of it. And then we got a 12 dozen raspberry punchki. You got to go with the glazed. Did you buy from, those local? I mean, yeah. So we bought them from New Palace Bakery, oh, fat, which yeah. is like the, the legendary. Yeah, the line around the block bakery. Yes. So that's Steve's favorite punchki. And, you know, it's kind of, you know, of local legend in Hamtramck. And so, yeah, so we got 12 dozen, 144 punchki, broke them in half, threw them in the still, and then they, you know, they soak. They just float in this vodka overnight and it turns this like beautiful red rosé and then you fire it up. And basically what happens when you distill something, it, it boils and the alcohol vapor comes off first. So the alcohol vapor is extracting the essence of the punchki and then you convert that gas essentially back down to liquid um and so you're left with alcohol that tastes like punchki and how many do does 12 dozen make how many bottles um does it make yeah so our first batch ironically yielded exactly 666 bottles that's weird mm -hmm. so the devil made us do it the first time. The next two times okay. we did it on our own. So we're on batch three right now because it's been going so crazy. So you're going to have un so under 2,000 bottles. Yep. So is probably that, just- is, is that it? That's the it. Year? We, we can't like get any more vodka from Poland. We're no? like producing it around the clock right now. Interesting. Um, and so, you know, it it's sold out in distribution. So, you know, if you're a bar or restaurant or liquor store listening to this, um, you'll have to come to us to get it. Um, and yeah, so we sent over about 60 cases on Monday and it sold out in 20 minutes. Sent 60 cases to who? To Great Lakes Wine and Spirits is our oh, distributor. And distributor. Yeah. Ross has a question. No, I just say, I was thinking of it, it's limited edition, but it, actually all that is, it's small batch. It's truly small batch, right? It's small batch, you know, Punchki Day only happens once a year. And so, you know, this is a time where Punchki Mania is at its peak. And so this is the only time of the year we do it. So if, if our listeners want a bottle, yes, they can go where? So my best recommendation is to come to us. So the release party starts Saturday at 10 a.m. in okay. Eastern Market at our tasting room. We're open until midnight. 
Uh, we got some great treats, uh, local pierogi makers, slinging pierogi and some punchki. That's this Saturday night. That's this Saturday. February 22nd. So we're going to have February to get the podcast out by 20. Hey, Rocky. You're working You're, you're working, working overtime. <laughs> I'll get you some yeah. bourbon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If So I apologize in advance if, it's a, if the show is a little wonky. Uh, our director may be a little drunk. Um, I have a question. Who yes. got to eat the punchki uh mush after uh, you were done distilling is that not edible at that point or does it so nobody did melt but it probably was good it was really, probably really good and really alcoholic yeah yeah. Ross would have liked that. Yeah. Turn it into gummies. Yeah. <laughs> Ross would have come over for breakfast. Hey, next year. Next time. Next year for sure. Um, I'm really excited to try it. So how su- so it's it's a raspberry flavored vodka, raspberry and sugar. Is it how sweet would you say it is? So it's really not overly sweet. So the potato vodka is super clean, like f- really crisp canvas to distill on and so you get a nice raspberry flavor. I think that's what comes through most, but you know, some people get it on the nose. Some people get it, you know, on the finish. You get this nice little, like, doughy, sugary finish to it. It's not overly sweet, though. So it's, and there's no fat. It's a fat-free it's, it drink. It may actually be a healthier way to consume Yeah, that's punchki. what I'm thinking. You could, like, lose weight. Get, yeah, because the punchki has about... Uh, 2,000 calories yeah, a piece. Yeah, right, right. And this um, also has alcohol in it. Right. So, I mean, like win-win. <laughs> It's a win-win, Ross. What do you think? What do you do? So this is what are you this doing one, over there? This what one worked like the. the uh, I'm making my notes to be at the city distillery at 10 a.m. Yeah, sometimes you'll go. To, sometimes you'll go to the bar and there'll be a big jar with uh, vodka and pineapples sure. or different things, sure. and they'll just sit there for a couple of weeks, and and then they'll they'll take the flavored vodka out of there. You you wouldn't do that with distilling. You wouldn't do that with punch keys. Just throw a bunch of punch keys. No, so that's a good question though. Why couldn't they do that? Make a big jar, put punch keys on the bottom, like they do a Capitol Grill with the the pineapple that's Stoli Doli, I think. Not that I've ever had a hundred of them. You seem to have more information on that than me. That's what I was going for, yeah. Well, you know, it's 95, but they're specials on Tuesday. I'm just kidding. Those sorts of infusions are common, right? And so, you know, not everybody owns a distillery, so not everybody has the luxury of distilling 144 punchkis at once. So, you know, but for us, you know, when you when you soak something in vodka, right, like pineapple or whatever, you're gonna get a bunch of that juice, it's gonna stay in the vodka. This, you're actually extracting the alcohol via vapor. So it's, it's gas and then it converts back down to liquid. So you're getting something that's like, super nice and clean that just tastes like what was in it, that's but there's no real, re- there's no Is there sugar in it. In it? We're going to have to taste test that. No, we're going to have to get a stuff of punchki in it. You, me, and Ross. But I'm I'm really curious. Like, are you going to have to put, these don't, alcohol doesn't have how much sugar is in it. Is there going to be sugar in it? Well, yeah, there's always a little bit of sugar in it, right? Just a little I mean, there's some calories and all that. But the goal is, is for the yeast, when you're, so when you're distilling something and creating alcohol, you add yeast, which breaks down sugar, which creates alcohol. You essentially, you know, we're looking at a bottle of bourbon here right now. You're essentially making almost a beer and then, right, which is eight to 12% alcohol. And then the process of distillation is you take a large quantity of something and you reduce it to a smaller, more concentrated quantity of itself. So you're distilling that alcohol down into a more concentrated quantity. And, you know, so, that's basically what you're getting. The goal is for the yeast to break down all the sugar to kind of maximize alcohol output. And so you, you lose most of the sugar, you know, in that process. So 
I was I actually was at a party in the last two months somewhere in Detroit. Um, a cool old warehouse. I think it was an old distillery, actually. I don't know, remember the name of it. And they were serving your alcohol, and they had taste testing, and it was a Saturday night party. You're probably at the Whiskey Factory. So yeah. we have big parties it was at the Whiskey, whiskey factory. factory. I didn't remember the exact name. It was name. upstairs, yes. and you were surrounded by Whiskey Well, girls. when you first walk... Yes, and I like that part, actually. Yeah. But you yeah. walk in, You're actually, at the, the main factory. floor. At the main floor, they had a it's barrel. It's all coming back to them. Yeah, they had rye, <laughs> bourbon, yeah. and uh, whiskey, I believe. Yeah, so a wedding or something like that? The bar mitzvah. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah, you went to the bar the mitzvah. Okay, the nice. bar mitzvah. Nice, that's great. And uh, That was quite the party. Ooh. <laughs> I uh, had to leave a little early, I think, that night. Because what they were doing was, at this party, they were serving... Usually, at these parties, there's a lot of food, right? They pass a lot of appetizers. But I've never seen this. On the food appetizer tray, they had shots next to it. So it was a shot and, and a chicken time. skewer, okay. a shot and a, and a hot dog, a shot. And before you get upstairs, you're snockered, okay? And and am I right? Am I lying? It's, Were you at that party? Did you come uh, by? I was, but, you know, obviously in the background. I, I don't like to crash my own parties. But, uh, but let me tell you something. Yeah. I loved the setup that you could try. And these are little Is shots. Is that the tasting not, room? No? So no, the, the tasting room and the whiskey factory are two separate places. It was, it was the and whiskey the whiskey factory is that where it's made? The yeah. old Goebbels place. Exactly. Okay. So okay. we tried to name them very explicitly as to what they are, right? So the whiskey factory is where we are manufacturing whiskey. Uh, it also happens that we we had to open a party space. You know, that's right. a great I'm thing about you, owning great. a distillery. You know. You kind of get in the party business whether you like it or not. Right. So, it was a great venue. Yeah. And what I loved, and let's, let's, I already showed a picture of this beautiful bourbon bottle. Um, first of all, can you tell me who's on the bourbon? Yeah. So, this is actually a really good story. So, that's Yogi Jerome. Okay. Who's that? So, Yogi Jerome Come on, get in the is. Game. You don't the, know Yogi Jerome? <laughs> <laughs> you tell me who he is, Ross. You the guy on the bottle. Smart ass. <laughs> all right. So, Yogi is the grandfather of our master distiller, JP. Okay. So the reason why it's called Butcher's Cup Bourbon is because Yogi was a butcher in Eastern Market. So that's like our tie to the place. And then Yogi, you know, in Eastern Market back in the 20s, like it was the epicenter of prohibition. So all the booze was coming across the river from Canada. It was going up the railroad tracks, which is the DeQuinder cut now, and going into the back all these slaughterhouses and butcher shops. So Yogi was a butcher. You know, most of the butchers back then were also, you know, uh, assisting. I the, think the statute of limitations. I'm a lawyer. <laughs> yes, I'm pretty I'm sure the statute careful. of limitations for the prohibition <laughs> violators Yogi, has Yogi, ended. Yogi better make a run. So for let, it. don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. So, so, so he's selling he's selling booze, moonshine, or whatever yeah, they called it back yeah. then. Yeah, he used to build like cement vaults under like chicken coops downriver and stuff to stash booze in. And he traded his gun to a gangster for a motorcycle. And yeah, it's just good stories. You know, like Eastern Market is full of amazing stories. Like the place has so much history in terms of alcohol and then food. You know, obviously we kind of fit in that space as someone who makes uh, alcohol from I'm let you do the grain. Honors. Sure, my pleasure. So, thank you, Rocky. Will you give this to uh, Ross? Take your time. Or thanks, Kevin. Rocky, you want to try some? 
Gotta get yourself. You gotta get yourself a glass. <coughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. I only have four. Oh, no. So okay. So we're this is bourbon. Yes. So I've been to several wine tastings in my life. Yeah. I've tasted lots of alcohol. Not lots. Let's not get crazy. But I've never had a. I've never. One thing I want to do is go down to Kentucky and do the Bourbon Trail. Oh, yeah. Whiskey, you absolutely should. Bourbon Trail, Whiskey Trail. Bourbon Trail. Bourbon Trail. Yeah. But I've never actually had a, a real uh, bourbon tasting. Sure. So as long as we're here and talking and you're an expert, what, tell me what I'm looking for with regards to color, smell, sure. taste. Talk, just take us through it and so, then let's taste it. Let's start at the very beginning. So it all starts with green. So, you know, for us, we're all about Michigan. We're sourcing grain. It's all coming through a little place called Dexter Mill. So they take a raw, like, corn kernel or rye in this instance, and they melt into a flour. So your recipe is um, called a mash bill, and that's the different proportions of grain that you put in. So bourbon, by law, has got to be at least 51% corn or more. Okay? So it's predominantly corn. Um, and then from there... Um, it has to be aged in a freshly charred white American oak barrel. Okay. Um, it's got to be made in America. America. So hold on. America. Isn't there some, what is it that you have to be, ha, isn't there something that if it has to be in Kentucky? So Kentucky bourbon has to be made in Kentucky. Okay. But so that I, I knew, but it doesn't, but bourbon can be made anywhere. Yeah. Bourbon can be made anywhere in America. You know, back like 15, 20 years ago, you know, all the bourbon was getting made in Kentucky because there was just a handful of distilleries. And, you know, during the 80s and 90s, nobody drank bourbon. So, you know, all these Kentucky bourbon distilleries kind of got together and they did something pretty brilliant, you know, from a marketing standpoint is they said bourbon can only come from Kentucky and it's only good if it's really old because they were sitting on a bunch of old stock. And so, you know, now as a new distillery, you know, here in Detroit, you know, we're trying to educate people on what bourbon is and, you know, what makes it good. And so, you know, we make everything from scratch. Okay. If you're a craft distiller, you're in one of two camps. You're either making it from scratch, or if you're like probably 80 to 85%, you're just buying mass produced bourbon and you're putting it in a bottle. There's actually some interesting uh, case law around uh, some nonsense around that with uh, Templeton which is a craft distiller, right? So, I've seen you know, those. they yeah, were, had you know, all pre-prohibition homemade, you know, recipe that was all just sourced from MGP and Just the label was. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, it's about the grain that goes into it. So for us, you know, being a Detroit-based company, having grown up, you know, in a farming community, for us, it's all about kind of celebrating Michigan agriculture. And so, you know, the younger the whiskey is, the more you get to taste some of the nuance of the grain, the longer it sits in the barrel, the more it tastes like the barrel. So that's one that's one really that's important thing to know when you're drinking young whiskey is you really want to pay attention to the grain and the tasting notes. You get most of the color and most of the flavor out of the barrel in the first 18 to 24 months. Okay. So and this is one year old bourbon. So this, it actually just turned two. Okay. We're, we're getting through some old labels. Okay. So, so it says batch number 27, bottle yeah. number 69. Yeah. And this, the grain came from Dexter, Michigan. Yeah. And the water came from? Water comes from Detroit. Detroit. Detroit has water. great water. Yes, we have uh, reverse osmosis. So we clean it up and okay. it's uh, actually a quite excellent source of water. And, and where so, does the flavors come? So it's, it's, it's good. Um, 
grains. It's good water. Yeah. What else is in there? Yeah, and so then it's the punchkeys. <laughs> no punchkeys. No punchkeys. So in this. this this bourbon, um, sixty eight percent corn, twenty seven percent rye, and then the balance is a blend of three different barley's. There's a raw barley and then two roasted specialty malted barley's, which is like secret sauce of craft beer. All organic grains. Uh, almost all organic, not 100%. Okay. Um, so this would be considered a high rye bourbon. So when you drink this, this is going to be a little bit on the spicier and drier side of things because rye is an inherently spicy and dry grain. All right, so let's, I'm, I'm thirsty. I know. So thank you Me for too. coming You're today. Welcome. And thank to you the for boys from Bath. From the boys from Bath. Cheers. Let's try it. Cheers. Oh, yeah. Smooth. It's very that's smooth. The, that's the first thing that I get. Now, I didn't smell it. You don't smell bourbon like you oh, do Oh, you absolutely can. I mean, so Close. there's a lot of different ways to taste this. Uh, our brand ambassador, Garrett, has this whole clap trick, which might get a little bit messy here um, <laughs> on the podcast. But, you know, when you smell it, you know, you're picking up, you know, obviously the alcohol hits you. I mean, it's a hundred proof bourbon. Yeah, it's strong. But, in the nose. It's strong. You know, you're picking up like caramel and vanilla notes. You're getting a little bit of that, you know, kind of smoke from the oak. This has a nice kind of spice rye finish. But, you know, the my favorite review I've ever got on this bourbon. So this one best young bourbon in America um, at the American Distilling Institute Craft Spirits Competition in Louisville. And the judge who named it best in category said, tastes like a man I'd like to meet. Leather, cigars, old books, well beyond his age. That was the review That's of this awesome. bourbon. That's right. so, very poetic. Yes. It's going so, on the label next year. What do you t- so what do you, <laughs> what do you taste, Ross? What, and, and taste, take a sip. But let's just talk about the, you know, the vanillas, the spices, the tobaccos. Let me ask you a question, if I may. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you were talking about gas pour. Is that where the term, I got gassed? You know, they say, if you're drunk, I'm gassed. Does that come from what you were talking about? Like the gas that is released from the thing when they distill? <sighs> I have no idea. That's a okay. great question. I got I mean, another question you're not yeah. going to have the answer okay. to. No, no, I'm kidding. Fire, fire away. <laughs> no, I was curious. I mean, when you said that, I wonder, hey, I wonder if that's where that expression, I, he was gassed, came from. You know, there, so there's so many, like, interesting little quirks in history and stuff. So, like, you know, everybody's, like, into that show, Moonshiners, mm-hmm. right? And everybody hears a, oh, I might go blind if I drink moonshine. Well, you know, the, the process of distilling, there's three distinct processes. There's or kind of cuts of the run. So there's the heads, the hearts, and the tails. So the name of the game is ethanol, alcohol, right? But the first part of the run, the heads is mostly methanol. So if you drink too much of it, like you could go blind or it could kill you, right? So like you really kind of have to know what you're doing. So like if you're in the backwoods, you know, in Kentucky somewhere, you know, way back when, before this has like been a practice, you know, that's been finalized really in the beginning, you know, that's like how distillers went blind because they weren't, they weren't cutting out the heads to get to the heart. They weren't making it right. So, so, so Kevin, what do you think of this? I think it's going to cure my cold. (laughs) Don't share a glass. I can, I can, I hit that, that spice does hit me. Yeah. Uh, It, it, it has a distinct taste to it. Yeah. It's got some sweetness to it. There's some really beautiful, like nuttiness, like hazelnut, uh, almond that kind of comes through some of those barley malts really kind of bring that out. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is this is by bourbon is by far our best seller. Um, it's really kind of what we've built our name on. Um, it's really what's fueling a lot of our growth. I mean, we've been the 
fastest growing distillery in the state the past three years. Is Michigan a good place to make bourbon then? I mean, so the natural ingredients that Michigan is a phenomenal place to make whiskey. So it's the second most diverse agricultural state in the nation. And you're surrounded by a vast percentage of the world's fresh water. So making whiskey in Michigan should happen for decades to come. Now, is it the best place to sell alcohol? No, it's a control state, right? So everything goes through the government. The taxes are very high. Um, and so, you know, there's been some recent legislations that's kind of passed to make Michigan a more favorable place uh, to make alcohol. Um, you know, Michigan State led a lot of that work about a decade ago. You know, that's why you see so many folks popping up. You know, Valentine's been doing it for a very long time. Uh, Two James in our neighborhood has been doing it. Um, you got a bunch of places on the west side of the state, Long Road, Iron Fish, Eastern Kill. So, you know, Michigan, obviously, the craft beer industry is booming. Uh, this is a very natural extension. So, so are, are you selling this out of state? We are, actually. So we're, okay. we're selling this. Uh, we just started distributing down in Chicago last year. And, you know... I was kind of, I was like, well, you know, what's going to happen in Chicago? Like, ah, you know, get this destroyed stuff out of here. People love it. You know, it's, it's classic Midwest. It's made from scratch. You know, we are who we are. We're not trying to be anybody else. There's like no fancy gimmicks, um, you know, all local grain. So I think, you know, the, the craftsmanship of it has really kind of sold it well. And people resonate with the Detroit story too, right? Everybody likes a good yeah. comeback everybody story. Likes, yep. How much does a bottle like this cost? So a bottle Retail. like that is uh, $50 at your local liquor store. And same price down at your uh, facility? We actually sell it for more at our distillery. Um, our liquor store partners really love that we do that. <laughs> so um, so yeah, so it's 55 at our shop. Um, you get some special packaging when you come down to get it from us. Um, so yeah. So And how much is the um, vodka that you're selling yes, this weekend? So the Poonchki vodka is $30. So vodka is a little cheaper. Because it's cheaper, it's faster. I mean, the challenge from a business standpoint, right? You're an entrepreneur that's figured out how to scale. Just imagine if all the money you made went and sat in a barrel for two years before you could make any more money I, I on understand. It. My cases take two years to go through the hobby. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah, the same business. I'm, I'm, the same a, I'm a distillery here. <laughs> um, let me ask you a question, Michael, while I have you. If you had to give me, if you had to pretend like I was a fifth grader, the difference between bourbon rye and whiskey because sure. because i know whiskey is the umbrella bourbon yeah. rye are whiskeys yeah that's but, exactly right but how would you describe the difference between a bourbon and a rye and something that they just call whiskey like a sour bush mash yeah you know so, to <laughs> so just give so me a quick lesson on that so whiskey's like mom bourbon rye scotch irish whiskey those are all her children right and so uh it what defines different types of whiskey is the type of grain you use or where it's made. So bourbon's got to be majority corn. It's got to be made in America. It's got to be aged in freshly charred white American oak. Rye, mostly rye, can be made anywhere. Also got to be aged in white American oak. Irish whiskey, got to be made in Ireland. Scotch, got to be made in Scotland, oftentimes aged in used barrels. Um, so, you know, it's all about that mash bill, all about the grain. And then, you know, there's some definitions, you know, of like where it comes from. Right. So like 
you know, Mexico has the trademark on tequila. You so got to make tequila so, in Mexico. So it's interesting. So I've been to Scotland. I've been to Ireland. I've been to the distilleries there. So I, ne- but I never thought about this and it's probably a duh and going to sound really stupid, but you can't make scotch here. No, we can't. You can't make a Michigan scotch. Even if you ordered the stuff in from Scotland and made it here, you couldn't make a Michigan scotch. No, but what a lot of craft distillers right now are doing, uh, which is a really big growing category is American single malt whiskey. Right, so most scotch is single malt, right? So people are taking a single uh, type of malted barley most often, and so they're distilling that. So we've actually it's a knockoff. Well, it's just it's a different way of doing it. I mean, you know, there is an incredible uh, diversity of malts that have really come out of the craft beer industry. So American single malts is like a really emerging uh, kind of bleeding edge thing in the craft spirits industry. So. You know, it's the American version of scotch. It's just, it's single malt whiskey. It's not scotch whiskey. Ross keeps forgetting that he's uh, mic'd up and on camera, and he keeps sending me little notes. I don't know why you keep doing that, but... I just uh, wanted to know if you believed in sex before marriage, you said I'm sending you little notes. No, my question was, my question was... Moron. What about... I? What is, tell me about the phenomenon, if you will, of small batch. Yeah. I find that very interesting. I mean, you never heard of it. And now it seems like it is a sort of the marketing buzz. I see it not only in the whiskey business, but in a lot of other businesses. We make limited edition, small batch. Where did that start from? It's a great question. And so I'll tell you how we approach it, right? Because you know whether it's truly small batch or not, I don't think there's any standard rules of what it's small or not but for us you know we are we're not trying to be like all these big we're not trying to be woodford reserve we're not trying to be jack daniels we're trying to be detroit city distillery so part of that for us we get excited about making experimental whiskeys so um you know like last year we made a single barrel of honey bourbon so we had bees up on our roof with this organization called bees in the d we harvested the honey we put the honey inside a used bourbon barrel. We took the honey out, then we put bourbon back in. And so we had this honey finished bourbon that had this really cool story and it was just a single barrel. And you know, like you can't get it again. So, you know, happiness is fleeting. Like you gotta get it now. Right. How, many, so, how many bottles come out of a barrel? Uh, about 250 approximately. Got it. Cause I, you know, the liquor stores that I go to or have been to, they, they, they push uh, small batches. They say, yeah. you know, we're the only ones who are mm-hmm. getting this. In fact, I think you brought me a, a whistle pig recently uh, and it said for this particular party store. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, I gave that, out about 400 bottles of it. I mean, it, it, was, it was a nice, it was a big addition. It was a big, it was like yeah. a gimmick. Yeah. Well, it seems so, gimmicky, but it seems, is it, is it legit when they say, when they try to sell me this, is it legit? It's right? absolutely legit. So more and more liquor stores, even some of the bigger chains are selecting their own single barrel. So like, you know, we've had Kroger come down and they've bought a barrel of bourbon and rye from us that they've picked out of a lineup of 10 to 12 different barrels. Interesting. So, you know, it's a way for you know, these proprietors who knew a lot about alcohol, they know what they like to drink, they know what their customers like to drink, they pick certain taste profiles that they think either they like or what is gonna sell. So it's their way to kind of create something unique, you know, in this day of like e-commerce where you can pretty much buy anything online, you know, being able to have that special like owner's touch 
one of a kind, you can only get it from us, is I think really special. Yeah, you know? for people sure. gravitate to that. You got to have a story behind it's like your that. KBS beer. Can I ask one other question? Exactly. Exactly. This exactly. is not a loaded question. You should pardon the expression. Okay. But actually, then there is a difference in liquor stores. When you say, "Oh, I go there because these guys really know their stuff," there is such a thing as that. Oh, absolutely. There's yeah. good ones and bad ones, and. When somebody says, oh, I go there because they have a really good selection, there truly is a difference in. Absolutely. I mean, my rule is if, like, drink what you like to drink, right? There's so many marketing gimmicks out there. You know, you don't know what to believe and what not to believe this, you know, day and age. But, you know, to me, it's all about the experience, right? It's about, you know, the artwork, how the bottle feels in your hand, you know, where the grain came from. You know, ideally, you like to know who made it. Right. Right. I mean, if you're going to spend $50 a bottle on a bottle of bourbon, like, you'd like to know, like, what the company stands for and where the stuff comes from, you know? So, you know, that's kind of like what we try to do. It's like the very Detroit way. Otherwise, get 10 high and drink in volume. Sure. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll take some shots of Granddad. I've drank plenty of Jack Daniels back in the day and my my country years, so, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. So the 12 to 14 barrels, and Kroger comes down, I mean, are all 14 basically tasting pretty much the exact same, or are they? Are they no, there's definitely they some variations. Definitely some variation. I mean, you know, when you're making younger whiskey too, it, you know, it changes, you know, in small amounts of time, it can change a lot. Um, but, you know, it's like an imperfect process, right? You're like taking grain, and producing, you know, it goes in the barrel at 120 proof and it's liquid sitting in a wood barrel. Like there's definitely lots of variables there. Um, we have a couple different places we get barrels from. We get some out of this big place in Kentucky, but then we get some uh, from this really awesome spot, Crow's Nest Cooperage in Grand Rapids. Hmm. So there's this guy, Barrel Joe, he makes barrels. He smells like a campfire 24 seven. And so it's like really good handcrafted barrels. The flavor out of those barrels is amazing. Can you reuse the barrels? You can if you want to make bourbon. Bourbon's one and done. You one cannot. And done. Yeah. So what do you do with your leftovers? Drew? So we, we actually kind of have- Make uh, furniture. So we've done that. <laughs> um, most of them go on loan to breweries. Cause you know, all these breweries, you know, you mentioned KBS, right? right. So, you know, that's a Kentucky bourbon stout is what KBS stands for, right? So people are aging beer in bourbon barrels. So everybody wants to buy them, but we say, you know, we're a small business, you're a small business, we know, you know, money's at a premium. So we're gonna loan you a barrel, you're gonna make beer in it, you're gonna give us the barrel back and some of the beer you made, so all the guys are happy. So we get all this good rare beer. Trade, uh, a win-win, win. You know, that's a win-win. We might make some crazy finished, you know, double-barreled whiskey or some gin or who knows so what. You, can't ju you just can't make bourbon. Just can't make you bourbon. You can make whiskey, you can make rye. You can make other concoctions. Exactly. So if I wanted to come down and pick a barrel, you could make Mike Morse bourbon or rye or whiskey. Hundred percent. You absolutely could do that. Can you do it by bottles. tomorrow? <laughs> what did you, you can two hundred bottles to a barrel. Is that what you said? Uh, about two forty is usually the average. Right, we'll talk offline. All right. That sounds <laughs> I love, good. I love that idea. You, it, it's a lot of fun. You know, it's great. Like. You know, we've had people get a group of guys together and they all go in on it. And it doesn't go bad. Like wine can go it bad. It never goes bad. Wine can go bad. Never this, goes bad. Does it change with age? Not when, not once well, it gets out of the barrel. Okay. Yeah. You know, like years four onward, it just keeps rounding and smoothing out. So it becomes a little bit more cohesive and smoother as time goes on. But 
you know, you get most of the flavor out of the grain, you know, most of the color out of the barrel, uh, most of the flavor out of the barrel in the first, you know, two years. So, so you, you mentioned taste, you know, drink what you like. And, yeah. I, and I, and I heard that and that makes that, that does make a lot of sense, but let's say one of the most popular bourbons, Woodford Reserve, you mentioned sure. it. Yeah. How does your bourbon differ from a mass product? I mean, they're making millions of bottles a year. I don't know how many, hundreds of thousands yeah. of bottles a year, yeah. right? How, how does yours differ from, from theirs? Like, and you can brag and you can be, you know, they're not gonna be listening to this, I'm sure. Sure, uh, well, you know, so I actually compare Butcher's Cut bourbon is like a younger uh, version of their double oak, um, you know, which has a little bit more smoke, a little bit, you know, uh, higher rye content to it, I believe. Uh, but I think it aligns a lot with the flavor profiles of this. But, you know, like, here's another interesting thing, right? So, like, you know, Woodford Reserve probably sells, you know, tens of thousands times the amount of, you know, uh, bottles of whiskey that we do. Sure. But we have, like, twice the amount of Instagram followers than Woodford Reserve does. So, like, that's kind of the interesting thing in my, you know, estimation. Like, you know, you get all these new distilleries coming out. Like, people are fascinated by Detroit. They're fascinated by booze, and they're really fascinated by booze made in Detroit. So, you know, we got people all over the world paying attention to this. We got people from Poland seeing if we can ship them Punchki Vodka. We had somebody just reach out today from British Columbia ask if we could ship, and we said we couldn't. They said, we'll see you on Saturday. Oh, they're coming in? <laughs> it's crazy. Canadians so, are coming? Yeah, it's crazy. Is there going to be a line at your store? Uh, I anticipate there might be a line at 10 How many barrels? I have no idea what's going to happen. How many bottles of that do you have? Did you make? So we made about 2,000 bottles total of Punchki Vodka. I think we're going to have about 1,000 or so to sell. Um, so, so yeah. 1,000 um, to sell because yeah, the because other 1,000 are the, committed and yeah. sent out. There's some down in Chicago. So if you've got any Chicago friends, right. you can go buy it at Benny's. And I was at the All-Star game. I was just there. Nice. But I, I, I didn't look for it. Um, and you're in most... Bars and restaurants, or a lot of bars and restaurants. A lot of bars and restaurants. You know, uh, I don't, I didn't, I didn't know that. I'm so glad that we're having this conversation because I, when I go out and I am having a drink, I do order a bourbon. Yeah, you have a story I, to tell now. I have a story to tell, and I know who to support. Yeah, and I, and quite frankly, the boys this from is, Bath. This is better to me than um, Woodford Reserve. Thank you. Or, uh, or high other, praise. I had a Basil Hayden last night. Another great one. Another good I, high rye bourbon. You too. know what? It was. It is good. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I like Basil Hayden. I like Blanton's. Yeah. I like this better. Thank you. You're welcome. That's high praise. I'll take that he's trying to get a cheap now. barrel. He's, he's trying to run you down on price on his barrel. Don't fall for this. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. You ruined my negotiating. Anyway, Michael, anything else Very you want to add uh, for our listeners and viewers? No, thanks so much for having us. You know, come see us on Saturday. We're going to be selling it. Saturday until Punchki Day, the 25th, or until it runs out. Are you going to um, have Punchkis to serve with the uh, booze? Yeah, so we're actually having our friends, uh, I'm probably not going to say this uh, correct, uh, Pietrick uh, Pierogi. Um, Erica is like the pierogi queen, so she's going to be doing pierogies. And then she also has made some like really like amazing, like artisanal, like Punchki, like some stuff that's some untraditional flavors. I'll see you there. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, also fresh off the press, your first one to get it is um, Schrodix 
is doing a brunch with us on Sunday. So we're going to oh. do a Punchki Vodka brunch. Sunday, 12 the to 6 p.m. legendary kebasa. We'll get some good sauerkraut. They make some amazing horseradish. Um, and so, yeah, we're going to be drinking Bloody Marys and oh. eating kebasa. Now, Very Bloody nice. Mary with the Punchki Vodka? Probably not. I don't think Tomato so. Tomato juice in the no. sweet. I don't like that. We made a couple cocktails. We made a Polish margarita. Oh. And we made a white Russian variation. We took out the Kahlua and added a raspberry liqueur named uh, Chambord. Yeah, I've heard of Chambord. Oh, it's pretty good. Terrific. It tastes yeah, like a That's pushy. a raspberry raspberry. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. a raspberry oh, yeah. a raspberry bomb. topping. Bomb. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, alcohol on alcohol. Michael, what thank, go wrong? <laughs> thank you for coming in. My pleasure. I wish you the best of luck with the uh, Punchki Vodka. I think it's going to be a huge success. Thank you for the bourbon. And um, I will be uh, talking to you about that barrel. All right. I look forward to it. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching.